Hello everyone, I'm Angela and you are listening to Gallows Bird. Last week I spoke about Charles Manson's early life. Tonight I'm going to pick up where I left off. Less than a month after his 1967 release from prison, Manson moved to Berkeley from Los Angeles, which could have been a probation violation. Instead, after calling the San Francisco probation office upon his arrival, he was transferred to the supervision of criminology doctoral researcher and federal probation officer Roger Moore. Until the spring of 1968, Smith worked at the Hyatt Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, which Manson and his family frequently used throughout their stay at the Hyatt. Roger Smith, as well as the HAFMC's founder, David E. Smith, received funding from the National Institutes of Health and reportedly the CIA to study the effects of drugs like LSD and methamphetamine on the, on the counterculture movement of Hyatt Ashbury. The patients at the clinic became subjects of their research, including Charles Manson and his expanding group of mostly female followers who came to see Roger Smith on the regular. Charles Manson received permission from Roger Smith to move from Berkeley to the Hyatt Ashbury District in San Francisco. He first took LSD and would use it frequently during his time there. David Smith, who had studied the effects of LSD and amphetamines on rats, wrote that the change in Manson's personality during this time was the most abrupt that he had observed in his entire professional career. Charles Manson also read the book Stranger in a Strange Land, a science fiction novel by Robert A. Heinlein, inspired by the burgeoning free love philosophy in Hyatt Ashbury during the Summer of Love. Manson began preaching his own philosophy based on a mixture of Stranger in a Strange Land, the Bible, Scientology, Dale Carnegie, and the Beatles, which quickly earned him a following. Charles Manson had already gained his first follower at the UC Berkeley campus, librarian Mary Bruner. He talked her into letting him sleep at her house for a few nights, an arrangement that quickly became permanent. He then met Lynette Squeaky Frome, a runaway teenager, and convinced her to live with him and Bruner. Manson soon began to attract large crowds of listeners and some dedicated followers. He targeted individuals for manipulation 
who were emotionally insecure and social outcasts. In his book, Love Needs Care, about his time at the HAFMC, David Smith claims that Manson attempted to reprogram their minds to submit totally to his will through the use of LSD and unconventional sexual practices that would turn his followers into empty vessels that would accept anything he poured. Manson family member Paul Watkins testified that Manson would encourage group LSD trips and take lower doses himself to keep his wits about him. Watkins said that Charlie's trip was to program all to submit. By the end of his stay in the Hyatt in April 1968, Manson had attracted 20 or so followers, all under the supervision of his parole officer, Roger Smith, and many of the staff at HAFMC. The core members of Manson's following eventually included Charles Tex Watson, a musician and former actor, Bobby Beau Soleil, a former musician and pornographic actor, Bruner, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkle, and Leslie Van Houten. Supervised by his parole officer, Roger Smith, Manson grew his family through drug use and prostitution. Without interference from the authorities, Manson was arrested on July 31, 1967 for attempting to prevent the arrest of one of his followers, Ruth Ann Morehouse. Instead of Manson being sent back to prison, the charge was reduced to a misdemeanor and Manson was given three additional years of probation. He avoided prosecution again in July 1968 when he and the family were arrested while moving from San Francisco to Los Angeles with the permission of Roger Smith when his bus crashed into a ditch where Manson and members of his family, including Bruner and Manson's newborn baby, were found sleeping naked by police. Afterwards, he was arrested again and released only a few days later, this time on a drug charge. The Manson family developed into a doomsday cult when Manson became fixated on the idea of an imminent apocalyptic race war between America's black population and the larger white population. A white supremacist, Manson told some of the Manson family that black people in America would rise up and kill all the white people except for Manson and his family but that they were not intelligent enough to survive on their own. They would need a white man to lead them, and so they would serve Manson as their master. This was his words, his beliefs, not mine. I'm just repeating. According to Vincent 
Bugley O.C. in late 1968, Manson adopted the term Helter Skelter. Taken from a song on the Beatles, recently released White Album, to refer to this upcoming war. In early August 1969, some Manson family members committed murders in Los Angeles. The Manson family gained na national notoriety after the murder of actress Sharon Tate and four others in her home on August 8th and 9th of 1969, and Leno and Rosemary LaBianca the next day. Tex Watson and three other members of the family committed the Tate LaBianca murders allegedly under Manson's instructions. While it was later accepted at trial that Manson never expressly ordered the murders, his behavior was deemed to warrant a conviction of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Evidence pointed to Manson's obsession with inciting a race war by killing those he thought were pigs, and his belief that this would show the N-word how to do the same. Family members were also responsible for other assaults, thefts, crimes, and the attempted assassination of President Gerald Ford in Sacramento by Lynette Squeaky Frome. While it is often thought that Manson never murdered or attempted to murder anyone himself, true crime writer James Buddy Day, in his book Hippie Cult Leader, The Last Words of Charles Manson, claimed that Manson shot drug dealer Bernard Crow on July 1, 1969. However, Crow survived. The state of California tried Manson for the Tate and LaBianca murders with, with co-defendants Leslie Van Hooten, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Krenwinkel. Co-defendant Tex Watson was tried at a later date after being extradited from Texas. The trial began on July 15, 1970. Manson appeared wearing fringed buckskins, his typical clothing, at Spawn Ranch. On July 24, 1970, the first day of testimony, Manson appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. Members of the Manson family camped outside of the courthouse and held a vigil on the street corner because they were excluded from the courtroom for being disruptive. The state presented dozens of witnesses during the trial. However, its primary witness was Linda Kasabian, who was, who was present during the Tate murders on August 8th and 9th of 1969. Kasabian provided graphic testimony of the Tate murders, which she observed from outside the house. In early August 1970, President Nixon told reporters that he believed that Manson was guilty of the murders, either directly or indirectly. 
On October 5, 1970, Manson attempted to attack, to attack Judge Older while the jury was present in the room. Manson first threatened Older and then jumped over his lawyer's table with a sharpened pencil in the direction of Older. Manson was restrained before reaching the judge. While being led out of the courtroom, Manson screamed at Older. In the name of Christian justice, someone should cut your head off. Meanwhile, the female defendants began chanting something in Latin. Judge Older began wearing a thirty-eight caliber pistol to the trial after that. On November 16, 1970, the state of California rested its case after presenting 22 weeks' worth of evidence. The defendants then stunned the courtroom by announcing that they had no witnesses to present and, were, and rested their case. Immediately after defendants' counsel rested their case, the three female defendants shouted that they wanted to testify. The following day, Manson himself announced that he too wanted to testify. After, Man after Manson finished speaking, Judge Older offered to let him testify before the jury. Manson replied that it was not necessary. Manson then told the female defendants that they no longer needed to testify. On November 30, 1970, Leslie Van Hooten's attorney, Ronald Hughes, failed to appear for the closing arguments in the trial. He was later found dead in a California state park. His body was badly decomposed and it was impossible to tell the cause of death. Some have alleged that Hughes was murdered by the Manson family. On January 25, 1971, the jury found Manson, Krenwinkel, and Atkins guilty of first-degree murder in all seven of the Tate and Labonke Labonke killings. I tell you, unless the last name is Jones or Smith... I'm going to mess it up. The jury found Van Hooten guilty of murder in the first degree in the LeBanca, here I go again, La Bianca killings. Well, I tried a second time. Anyways, after the convictions, the court held a separate hearing before the same jury to determine if the defendants should receive the death sentence. Each of the three female defendants, Atkins, Van Hooten, and Kren Winkle, took the stand. They provided graphic details of the murders and testified that Manson was not involved. On March 4, 1971, during the sentencing hearings, Manson trimmed his beard to a fork and shaved his head, telling the media, I am the devil and the devil always has a bald head. On March 29, 1971, the jury sentenced all four defendants to death.
When the female defendants were led into the courtroom, each of them had shaved their heads, as had Manson. After hearing the sentence, Atkins shouted to the jury, Better lock your doors and watch your kids. The Manson murder trial was the longest murder trial in American history when it occurred, lasting nine and a half months. This has been part two of the Manson family case. I'm doing a three-part series. Next week, I'll talk about um, Charles Manson's third imprisonment, his personal life a little more, his illness, and his death. Thank you for listening to Gallows Bird. Please like and subscribe. If you want to find me on social media, I have an Instagram, a Twitter, and a TikTok that I started for my podcast and the writing that I do. You can find me under Angelope Cantaloupe, cantaloupe spelled with two A's. And again, thanks for listening.